You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover. California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. Good evening, fuckos. Thursday night, and I am cutting a podcast. It's January 13th, and uh, yeah, it's almost the weekend. You guys feel it? A lot of stuff's been going on in this past uh, couple weeks. Thought I'd give you guys some updates. Some cool shit going down. Had a couple cool conversations with some cool cats. Um, Let's see. I had a handful of people. So everyone knows registration for Reading is open. And uh, I think one of the first things that people noticed was that a lot of targets were already filled up. And it's not unusual. Like, I remember seeing that. Like two years ago, or whenever I shot Reading last last year, last year, it fills up, it fills up really quick. You know, and you kind of don't get your choice of the targets. But a good buddy of mine, Doug, kind of said uh, he thinks maybe some special people got special dibs on some special targets, <laughs> got some preference, and that could be, that could be. But I don't know. Does it really matter? Like I, I know people strategize in Reading about which targets to pick. Because, you know, you hit the canyon at a certain time of day. Maybe there's more wind. Maybe there's backups around certain targets at other times. Um, you know, sometimes people want to start on short targets that, and then kind of warm up before they get to long targets. They don't want to start on a 70. All kinds of shit. So I get it. I get it. Um, you know, that whole... It should be random. Like, people's targets should be random. If it were, you know, any kind of fair thing. But... You know, people go to shoot with their friends and family and stuff. So, of course, they're going to all pile in on one target. And if people strategize, people strategize. And if it is done in such a way so that us lower class citizens get second choice of targets, then, ah, well, then that's just the way it is. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I don't know. My buddy Doug looked pretty, he posted this on Facebook, he looked pretty steamed about it, but I don't know. I can't. I just can't muster the energy to get mad about anything that's happening outdoor right now. Just because indoor archery is so much damn fun. <laughs> and I'm just having so much fun right now. Uh, are you guys? Is everyone getting some improvements going? Um, Man, all kinds of stuff is going down. Let's see. Let's see. What do I got on my list? I talked about Redding. Um, I'm just going to mention that the Redding... You know, registration is open. I'm not going to start diving into outdoor shit until Vegas is over. And, you know, a couple people are asking me questions about outdoor setups already. And it's like, go listen, you know, listen to my, I have outdoor podcasts you guys can listen to. It's earlier, earlier in the, in the series. Um, you know, I got it all there. 
but you know, until Vegas is over, I'm just talking indoor. So if you guys don't want to listen to indoor shit, there's all, you know, you can listen to Joe Rogan podcast or if you want to listen to Jocko Willink tell you how proud he is that you are having a bad day, you can, (laughs) you can check out his podcast. That's not bad. Um, but yeah, I will answer one question. Uh, my buddy Rich has said that he got a hamskia. So a lot of people have been telling me they've been having uh, a lot of good luck with the hamskia done up in this Kevin Wilkie way that I've kind of made more public, I guess. I mean, Wilkie's not really a secretive guy. He'll tell anyone how to set it up. But I just kind of felt like I felt like I helped share it a little bit. And so a lot of people have been telling me that they're getting a lot of good a, a lot of good results with this. My buddy Rich, though, is telling me he's getting bad results with it. He's got it set up exactly the same way. Um, thinking about switching back to a blade because he's saying his groups at 60 are pretty poor. Um, for the most part. So the first thing that I would examine is where your clamp is located. And... I would make sure that, you know, above all else, you're not getting any feign contact with anything. Uh, I don't think, you know, putting a stiffening plate, you know, he had asked if maybe the blade's bouncing up, but he's running a G-Flex blade, and I think the G-Flex blades are pretty good about not bouncing up and slapping veins, so I think you're fine as far as the veins go, Rich. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the as far as the, the blade goes. So then what, the other thing I asked was... Do you get a bullet hole through paper? And he said it's pretty close, but he's not a paper guy. I personally prefer walk back. Well, depends on what this paper tear looks like, dude. If you're getting a knock low uh, paper tear, that could be your problem right there. Um, I would imagine like knock left or right is less less of a problem. You know, I think up and down is where it's a big deal. <laughs> I could be wrong. I know my buddy Austin shoots with a left tear, and it's no problem for him. <laughs> um, let's see. I have no adjustment, and my string stop is touching the string, and my rod is all the way in. So I think if your rod's all the way in, it sounds like maybe you're shooting a Hoyt. Um, you could very well be getting vein contact on your cables. Uh and that's really about it. I mean, aside from that, dude, I can't, I wish I could tell you like, okay, well, here's what I've experienced, but I have not shot my outdoor arrows with this setup yet. Um, I've legit, I've only shot indoor right now. Only shot my 27s and 23s. So, you know, when, uh, when Vegas is over, I'll put the Pierce tours through this, this rig and um, I'll let you know what I find. I got, you know, a G-Flex, that really skinny, narrow G-Flex blade. So I'm ready. I'm ready to throw that on and shoot some uh, Pierce Tours. But until I can really do that, I can't tell you exactly what it could be. Or without seeing your bow, I can't tell, you know. So I'm sorry, Rich. This is going to be a first where I don't just make up an answer and, you know, tell you guys some nonsense (laughs) to get you off my back. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know what's going on with your setup. I know 
guys like Mark Rubio, they would prefer a blade for outdoor over the hammy. Uh, but I, I, you know, Kyle Douglas, he shoots that outdoor with that hammy pretty well. So I think Wilkie shoots it pretty good too. So I don't think the hammy's holding you back. It's got to be, you know, either the way it's set up or, you know, maybe you got to keep both eyes open when you're shooting. I, I don't know. Sorry, Rich. Sorry. I couldn't help you more. Um, I had a really cool, uh, conversation with my buddy, Elliot Lee, and I think we should pause before I get into that. Let's all just congratulate Elliot here. He shot a 450 36 X for the CBH state indoor. Uh, very proud of him. Very happy. Cause he is not in the pro class. So I'm still in the running until one of you pro shoots a 450, <laughs> but Elliot is a adult freestyle, uh, men's freestyle. And, uh, he's in the amateur class and he, when it, I say it all the time, guys, you know what I say? It's any dog's day, right? And you know, Elliot's like a low 300 shooter. I'm, I'm going to say he's a 300 shooter now because he shot a handful of 300s this last month. And I know he rolled into this 450 event. I think this was after we had our conversation even, um, and I would imagine he just went to shoot and have fun not expecting a lot of himself or not putting a lot of pressure on himself. And he fucking smoked. So, uh, bravo to you, Elliot. Um, you've been the topic of conversation for me and my friends. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud of you, dude. Yeah. This is the kind of shit that makes me really happy is to see, uh, you know, guys in the Bay area, the, the people around me all getting better and raising the bar. And Elliot, you just did it. You just raised the bar for everybody. So adult men, freestyle shooters, there's the bar. 450, 36X. 450 will get you to the ball, but you got to get above a 36X to beat Elliot. Um, yeah, well done, dude. Well done. I, uh, I think back to when I used to be able to shoot 450s. <laughs> it's a good time. So I hope... You know, if you win this, Elliot, I'll definitely get you back on the show to pick your brain about it. But, you know, guys, I would guess that Elliot went into it with a very clear mind. And the clear mind is really what does it. You know, I, I, I'm sure clear mind or not, that last arrow that he shot, must, he must have had all kinds of thoughts going in his head. And he posted up, there's like security footage, like camera footage of him shooting his last arrow. And it's so cool because he shoots it and then he flips around and does like this Steve Anderson at Reading, like, yaw, you know, he's super ju juiced. So uh, it's a cool thing to watch, man. His scorecard looks awesome. Uh, and it's great. But anyway, I'll get to our conversation. Elliot was asking me, like, what's the point of going pro? What's it, like, why? Like, what's in it for, you know, for us to go pro? Like, what's the incentive and, and why do you do it? And what does it mean? I think his exact question was, what does it mean to go pro? And I think it's different for everybody. Some people want to go pro because they want to be able to, um, I mean, some people want to be pro just so they can say they're a pro. There's like a, a little bit of fake prestige that comes along with being a pro where you can kind of strut around and be like, mm -hmm -hmm, I've earned my pro card, you know? The bar, like the, the qualification for getting your pro card is not that high. Okay. 
So if it's not hard to get your pro card, why doesn't more people do it? Or why don't more people do it? Well, for two reasons. Pro class costs more to do everything, right? At any event you're going to shoot in, it's going to cost a little bit more. Um, for the most part, on average, it's going to cost you a little bit more. Uh, for a lot of events, open class or the money class is just that you don't need to be a pro to shoot in those classes. Um, I think a big incentive is when you're a pro, you can, I think the NFA helps you so that you're able to write things off on your taxes. Uh, I'm not sure if the NFA, I think the NFA just, you might be like a contractor or an individual contractor. I don't know the specifics. Uh, I don't do that. <laughs> but for me, oh, there it is. How often do you guys hear that for me? Especially in archery podcasts. I hear so many guys say for me. And then I think of like, I think I heard Kim Kardashian in an interview like two years ago saying, for me, the thing I like, and for me, what I really like. So anyway, why did I get my pro card? Well, for me... I didn't like I got it because I wanted the prestige. I I did the same thing that everyone else did. I but I went about <laughs> I wanted to be sponsored by Hoyt. That was the thing. And I thought I would shoot all the national events cuz uh the sales rep for Hoyt said you want to be uh a pro win something in the pro class, win a national event in the pro class. So I thought, well, I'm an amateur, so I wonder if I can win a bunch of amateur, like national events in the amateur class. So I went out and I did that. Turns out that doesn't get it for you, right? Unless you're like Tim Henley or anyone else who it does work for. (laughs) It didn't work for me. (laughs) It said no thank you. (laughs) So I didn't get that pro card. Or I didn't get that Hoyt sponsorship, but what I did do along the way was qualify for a pro card. So when you shoot like a certain score, I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, you can qualify for a pro card. So I got it because I thought, you know what, if I can't get the Hoyt, you know, sponsorship, at least I can get the prestige of knowing that, you know, I busted my ass for this card. And I did. And what came with that? Well, it was like a year, the year immediately after I shot less, did not shoot as good. And then I thought, why the fuck do I have this card? I don't, I don't, I'm not doing this card any justice. So I just let it lapse. And then the year after that, I shot as an amateur. And, you know, towards the end of COVID, I started shooting a little bit more. Uh, Towards the end of COVID. We're still like right in the middle of COVID, right? Well, depending on who you believe. (laughs) And now I'm starting to pick it up again. I'm starting to get back in the swing of things. And I thought, I'll get that pro card again. But now it's not for, you know, it's not for sponsorships or anything like that. It's just as something to hold me to what I think I should be doing, which means shooting clean, you know, and it, I don't know. You can do this without a pro card, you know, hold yourself to a high standard of shooting. But, um, I don't know. I know that when I go to these like events and I shoot in the pro class, I'm going to be shooting against people that also hold themselves to extremely high standard. I'm not going to be shooting with guys that are like, Oh man, my timing's way off or, you know, like <laughs> have some bogus excuse for why they're shooting bad. You know what I mean? No, oh, my release was all banged up or whatever. You know, you, 
in that pro class, you're usually shooting with people that have their shit together. And that, it, you know, the bow, arrows, all that stuff is like less, it's less of a concern. And the thing that they're worried about is their mental game and their execution and that shit. And that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to get deep into that. Cause I feel like after you get the bone, the arrows and everything all dialed away, the, the thing that separates you from the other guys is, is truly the mental aspect of it and, and how deep you can get into that mental aspect. You're that mental range, you know, like, uh, like Blake Jerome shooting clean, uh, at the field na- at field nationals, he must have been in a mentally wild place. I'm sure being in Blake Jerome's head would, for that event, especially on the last target, probably would feel like an acid trip to most people. Um, or like Chris Perkins in Reading shooting one down. That is it's it's amazing, and I'm sure the mental state that he's in during that is fucking nuts. Um, and that's what I, I want to get at that because there's a lot of like personal growth and a lot of stuff happens during those things or during those, those long events like that, where you're trying to hold it all together. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm in it. And that's what I told Elliot. Like for me, I just want to see how far I can take it. And you know, maybe it's different for everyone else. Maybe someone wants a Jersey with a bunch of, a bunch of logos and they want that Jersey to say pro staff. That's totally fine. You know, we're all in it f- for different reasons and I'm not going to judge anybody, judge anybody. So, I mean, I probably will, but just not today, not on this episode. I'm going to try to keep it positive. So I had this conversation with Elliot and I was, and Elliot was like, oh yeah, maybe I, you know, no point in me going pro really. And then he goes and hammers out this 450. Talk about fucking clarity of mind. Incredible. Incredible. Speaking of clarity of mind, or maybe I should say empty mind, my man Nick Ingham won the Idaho State Indoor with two 300s, I believe. Uh, it's interesting, though, because Idaho calls it the State Vegas Round. <laughs> this is so weird. Why not just call it State Indoor? Maybe State Indoor is uh, Super 10 and it's you set. So, all right, all right, my bad. My bad, but uh, good job to Nick Ingham. If you guys listen to Nick, he was on this podcast previously. He shoots really good when he's hungover. Um, another one of those guys that just fucking shoots lightning, you know? Seems like a lot of people I've been interviewing, not to say that, you know, my podcast is uh, some kind of weird blessing, but it sure seems like everyone I interview goes on to whoop some ass one way or another. Those guys, the Bueller girls, both destroyed. Blake went ahead and destroyed my national record. Uh, what else? Kai. Uh, Kai went ahead right at like the week after I interviewed him. And beat, the, you know, beat the brakes off of everyone at indoor. It's just nuts. It's nuts. I don't know. Maybe it puts people in a good mental state, you know? (laughs) I've interviewed Elliot. Well, so I guess my record is clean here. But, yeah, my buddy Nick won uh, Idaho, uh, the Idaho-Vegas thing. So, good job, Nick. I hope to see you in Vegas. Uh, My buddy Carlos was asking me, 
Should I shoot my 36 or my 38? He's got two elites. And he's, you know, he's pitting them against each other. This is so much fun to do. If you have the time and you have two bows, pit them against each other and see which one you end up going with. I've done this with my Matthews. I used to have a Echelon 37 that I had. It's like a side project. And I pit those two bows against each other. Matthews just destroyed that bow. <laughs> the Elite was a good bow, though. I For a minute, in the very beginning, I was like, mm, this Elite might be a good bow. Um, but the more I shot him, the more the bows kind of told me which one was good and which one was shit. So, Anyway, my buddy Carlos is asking 36 to 38. My aunt, and he said, he said, you know, the 38, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards 38 because it's got brace height, but the 36 pounds. This is a great example of some of the things that people get caught up thinking about because of the way our industry or is mar- like they're marketing things to us in, in like really weird kind of like incorrect ways. So... He he is pounding with his thirty six, um, elite whatever the thirty six axle axle. I, I can't remember what the. I think it's a resulter. Oh, maybe maybe results the hunting bow. I forget. I don't know the elite bows very well. But um, he said I'm pounding with the thirty six, but that thirty eight's got that brace height, that forgiving brace height. So, I don't believe brace height is what they say it is. They say it's forgiving, right? Now, I've seen... I'm always in this... When people talk about brace height, I'm going to bring up Chris Schaff at the SoCal Showdown and shot a revol. He also shot that at the um, the first Dakota Classic. right? He had two revols at the first Dakota Classic. That's a 35-inch axle-to-axle bow. They weren't the XLs. And the brace height on those bows is like six inches, right? It's like a hunting bow, brace height. And he shot the tightest groups I've ever seen in my life on a on a fifty yard target face. I have never seen anything like that before. I think it was in practice, all right. And I don't think it was during the scoring rounds, but it was the tightest groups I have ever seen anybody shoot in my life. It was as if you took a handful of arrows and just you know, stabbed him into the target. From that moment, I knew that brace height is not going to hurt you. All right. And that's not to say that, you know, Chris Schaff is an everyman. He's for sure on some kind of God mode with his shooting. Um, but I don't believe Chris Schaff would do anything that would hinder him. I could be wrong, but I would guess. Right? For a guy that's as good as he is. So, my answer to Carlos was shoot the bow that you pound with. And forget all this marketing hype. Forget the brace height nonsense. If you're pounding with the 36, shoot the 36 for... for, Oh, he's going to shoot Lancaster. So, um, yeah, it's a... If anyone out there is wondering, you know, should I shoot a 38 or a 36... Or something similar like that, a forty or you know whatever. If you have both of them, shoot them against each other and see which one's better. If you're about to buy one, test them and see what like you know. If you go to a shop, you can say, "Hey, can I can I shoot that into the you know through paper or into the into the wall or whatever?" 
and just see what it feels like and they'll say yeah go go do it pick the one that feels better because <sighs> a brace height's just a marketing thing it's marketing hype all right and for everyone that's been asking or or telling me about how you know we all know bow junkie sell is on you know for sale or at least that's what greg posted on his instagram um for everyone that's wondering or, or telling me <laughs> I should pick it up, I can't. I can't <laughs> up and buy Bo Chunky, okay? And even if I could, I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate everyone giving me the heads up. Not to mention, this podcast is not even close to the level. I mean, I I talk a lot of shit about a lot of stuff. But that's not the kind of stuff you see on on Bo Junkie. You know what I mean? I don't think Pool talks crap about products because he's hoping that he can extract money from those companies one way or another. That's not my style. My style is just to tell you guys how I see it, you know? And um, I'm probably going to step on toes here or there, and it is what it is. So, see, I got a message from a gentleman named Dustin Crowley. He says... I listened to your episode where you talked about indoor peep height. I moved my peep down and it really helped with my low shots. Shot my first 320x this morning before work. Just wanted to send you a message that you helped me and keep up the great work. All right. Cool. Well, thank you, Mr. Crowley. Uh, I appreciate the props. Um, I'm glad some shit that I said has helped. I guess this podcast isn't just a worthless podcast <laughs> full of <laughs> dick jokes and stuff. Um, side note, as I'm going through my notes, Hoyt is offering Cerakote bows now. New colors. Uh, their colors are Slate, White Ice, Podium Red, Charger Blue, and Jet Black. Pretty cool. Um Pretty damn cool, I gotta say. As a uh, a fan of the DB Custom Cerakoting, I know they sent risers to Darren in the past, maybe to just get a just to get a taste of uh, what's going on with Cerakoting. And now, apparently, they they like the taste. I don't think Darren's. I'm pretty sure Darren's not the guy doing theirs. He should be. They should be keeping it domestic. But um, ah. At least they're doing Cerakote, huh? That's gonna, those are going to be some, some bitchin' risers. I have had a couple people ask me about Outlaws and what the Outlaw events are going to be. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you guys what I said before is to focus on indoor. It's indoor season right now. There will be time to focus on outdoor after Vegas. But just so you guys can write it down on your calendars... The events are going to be the Spring Warm-Up in Reading, uh, the Lodi Cartoon Classic, and the Nevada City June Shoot. There will not be an Oregon event. So, fuck yes. I already got the belt buckle from Oregon. I don't need to go back and shoot that. That is such a technical course, which, you know, if you love to challenge yourself, you should enjoy that course. That's a good one. But all three of these events are going to be in California. They are going to be within three hours from my house. <laughs> so I will enjoy this. Uh, three events for Outlaws. Guys, that is later. 
All right. You mark those on your calendar. People are going to ask me, Wendell, what dates are they going to be? I don't know. You'll want to know what they are. Look up the dates from last year and guess. It's only going to be one or two weekends, okay? I hate to be a dick about it. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You guys, get get your shit ready for indoor. Uh, in other California archery news, the state indoor in Tulare went down while I was fiddle farting around in Fresno. And... Um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't. Sh- I I generally don't shoot the Cal events or the the kind of like the state USAD events because this is going to sound really shitty, but the level of competition at those events is relatively low, and that's you know there's play. This, that's true, and that's a false statement, right? There's really good shooters that shoot it. I know Taylor Spoolstra shot that event and fucking crushed it. Um, and I, I believe that Taylor Spoolstra is one of the best shooters in California. Uh, with that being said, I don't know if he shot this last week. And I know there's some good shooters in that, that do shoot this Cal thing. Um, I think there's a Hoyt pro named Reza. Is it Reza? Like Zama... Dina Jad or something like that. And he made it to the shoot off in Vegas like years ago. I remember seeing that um, when I was watching on YouTube. Uh, Alex Mueller shoots these events. For me, I want to shoot with, you know, under some pressure against some guys that are going to put the heat on me, right? So... I would much rather lose to guys like that than to, you know, go and I don't know how I do. I it's really arrogant for me to say like, oh, I'd crush a cow event. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see. I'll shoot the um, I'll shoot the uh, state indoor or the indoor nationals in Sacramento and see how I do. You know, accordingly, and then you can say, well, Wendell, you have no reason to talk like that because you suck. <laughs> <laughs> but compound senior men, a gentleman named Christopher Krause. You know, your name is almost Chris Krause. <laughs> Place first. It's a good job, Chris Krause. Um, great shooting, dude. Uh, Vanek Votha placed second, and our very own Alex Mueller placed third. And that was in the compound men's, compound senior women's, Danielle Leap, Erica Leon Ellis was in second, Emily Lynn was in third. So that's how it's all shaken out. Looks like there's only 13 dudes in the men's senior, four women in compound women's senior. And let's see, not to be a dick, but let's be a dick a little bit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14. So it's basically the guy that won it on his last end shot like a 14x300 is what it looks like. <laughs> but there were a lot of nines in there. So were they Vegas nines or were they World Archery nines? It doesn't matter. All you guys should have come to the indoor money shoots in Fresno though. Shame on you. All of you. But uh you know, you know, if that's what you're working towards, 
you know, being ranked, you know, being one of the big swinging hogs in California on that list, by all means, go for it. I remember um, my big deal when I was first starting is I wanted to win all the the local um, novelty shoots. And that was like my big, my big thing. I wanted to win the bug shoot, which I did, which is no more. They don't have the bug shoot anymore, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, the Mount Diablo shoot, I won because it rained <laughs> and everybody left. <laughs> so I won by default the two most beautiful words in the English language. Um, and that's how I got my, you know, when I first got started, I was winning all these like local events and I was like really, you know, doing that really cheesy thing that noobs do where they're like, ah, oh, I won a local shoot. Can I be sponsored now? <laughs> that was me. It's so funny cause I rail against people like that now, but that was me. That was, I'm not going to lie. I did that. Um, Let's see. So we're going to have a relatively short podcast for you guys, but I had a request. A buddy of mine wanted me to tell the story of Field Nationals, where my release broke. Okay? Um, you guys may have heard this story before. And I don't know how this is going to help you, but it might somehow. So I shot Field Nationals in Yankton, and Yankton is in Pennsylvania. And it's a very green state. If you're from California, it's kind of a trip because I'm used to everything being really dry and crispy. And Yankton reminds me a lot of Germany. Believe it or not, I was in Germany before I went to Yankton. I've been to Germany for work. And then I went to Yankton. And I was like, holy shit. Sprechen say Deutsch? This is crazy. It's like green everywhere. So... I'm shooting field nationals. There's five days, right? And in the first couple days, it's pretty stormy. It's cloudy. Uh, it's overcast. And I think the second day or third day, it just starts raining. And I'm shooting a Carter Total Control. And the c- Total Control is very similar to that Scott Ascent, right? There's two moons that you can adjust. And so you can adjust the click point. You can adjust the fire point. I loved the total control. I think it was um, Heather Smith uh, was the one that kind of showed me and my buddy Jim that release. Jim showed me like how he runs his, and then I was just in love with that release all around. I had that release with me, and there's a design flaw in the first, re- like the first revision of this release, right? Where it uses a really small, like .050 Allen screw to adjust some gears and those gears adjust the position of the moons or it's like a worm screw. The worm screw adjusted a gear tooth on the backside of a moon. If that's not confusing, then you know, you're fine. But anyway, these things were known to slip. The moons would slip and catch in other gears. So it changed the timing of your release. Uh, Carter has since remedied that by drilling and tapping a hole in the back of this release and putting a set screw back there that will hold these moons in place. So, you know, they identified this problem. They fixed it. I did not have that drill and tap hole, right? So when it started to rain, my release completely changed. Now, at the time I was shooting, I think I was shooting no click on this release, or I might have been shooting a click. I can't remember. 
when it rained, the timing on that release was completely random for when it would fire and when or if there was a click. <laughs> Can you imagine? That is a nightmare <laughs> for most people. And to be fair, it was a nightmare for me too. But what I did was I knew that if I drew back my release as safe as possible, right? Like at the one o'clock position, you know, thumb on the peg, the tail end of that release, the handle's pointing to one o'clock, you know, and I took my thumb off that peg, be ready to fire and then pull all the way through the shot in a nice gradual deliberate motion. So I had to do that. I mean, third target in, it was raining. <laughs> so I had to do that all day. And some shots would go like, click, bang. And some shots would just go, bang, like real quick. And I shot, what I shoot? I think when, it, when it, on the rainy day, I shot like a 56, a, a field round, 556 on a field face. And then I shot a 559 on the hunter face. But on the hunter face, things were starting to roll. You know, the, the release was starting to dry out. And it was starting to get a little bit better. So... It was more consistent on the hunter face. But on the field, I was able to put down the 556. And, you know, some people brag about 556. I know other guys like, you know, Blake will be like, bah, you know, 559 or bust. Um, but I was very proud because here at home, a 554 is was my personal best. Um, at my, my range, uh, Redwood Bowman, a 554 is the best I've ever shot. So... Uh, that was cool. That was cool being my personal best. I think, I don't know. Someone should look that up. Someone should fact check me. I might've shot a 554 there too, but I can't remember. I just know that I was able to put down my personal best at a foreign field with a release that was like a super wonk. And my buddy wanted me to share this story with you guys. It was a hinge and, um, it just goes, and my reasoning for it was, or my way of explaining it was when you don't have any choice, you'll figure it out. You'll make it work. And I think that goes for... I have no doubt that any of you guys listening to this put in that same that same position would just have done the exact same thing I did. Just draw it safe and trust your shot, you know? That's really all you can do. So, if any of you guys out there go to a league night and your release timing's a little off... You know what to do. <laughs> Just run that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that... I, You know... Uh, it's a cool story. It's a neat thing that happened. Uh, I will never shoot another Total Control again. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty spotty on hinges right now, though, too. So I was going to tell you guys a little bit about the thumb buttons that I've been shooting. I've been shooting a True Ball Abyss, right? You guys know this. Um, I can't remember if someone asked this or not, but someone, I think someone asked, can you go over the strengths to the button release and the drawbacks, right? So the one thing I really like about shooting a thumb button is that, you know, when you set it up the way I shoot it, which is no travel, and then you know you pick pick whatever spring tension you want, but there's no travel. So you you know you come to anchor, wrap your thumb around the thumb button, you aim, and then when you're ready to shoot, you just start pulling. 
And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be like an Evo. You guys remember shooting a Carter Evo? You have to rip the goddamn uh, draw stops off on that bow. You pull so hard to get it to shoot. Or it would shoot like the second you took your thumb off the button. It was never, it was never sweet spot every time. Well, a thumb button is like a sweet spot every time. You just rest your thumb on there and just give it a gentle pull. Uh, Kai, the podcast where I interview Kai, he says, I practice with a hinge. So when I use my button, I'm better with the button. Or something along those lines is what he said. And I believe that is 100% true. So I still shoot a hinge from time to time when I'm practicing just to keep that motion down, just to keep the, you know, the pull through going. One thing that I've noticed, if you guys are getting hung up on your hinge, try shooting a click. And I know I've been a no-click advocate this whole time, but I would get hung up with a no-click more than I get hung up with a click. And maybe that's a very, like, duh thing. I just came around to it, so that's why I'm sharing it with you guys. Like, the click will actually help you from getting hung up, like, halfway through. And when I'm shooting my hinge now, I will just relax my hand to click, and then I'll aim, and then I'll start building pressure with my middle and ring finger on that release until it goes. It's it's wonderful. I have not gotten hung up at all, but, I mean, I haven't gotten hung up in, like, this past week shooting it, but... I've been shooting so much button now that I kind of have a clear, you know, a clear mind. You, with the hinge, you start getting hung up after a lot of shooting with it, if that makes sense. Um, pressure situations also. I've just been shooting in the backyard, so, you know, maybe that's not apples to oranges, as my buddy would say. But, uh, yeah, that's the, the main strength of that thumb button is that it's very hard to get hung up on it. A main drawback with the, with the, at least the abyss is when you draw back, you're drawing back with an extreme amount of pressure on your index finger, right? Your thumb is off the button, so you can't pull with your thumb for leverage. So your index finger and maybe your middle finger are carrying a majority of the the load, the 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 poundage of your bow when you draw back. And I guess I got dainty fingers or something. It's like starts to hurt after a while. Could be the shape of the abyss, the you know, the hole in the in that release for your index finger. I might try to pat it and see if that doesn't make it better, but it does hurt after some time. Maybe I just gotta man up and just grow some grow some balls on my index finger or something. I don't know. But that is a downside. Is when you're drawing back it that that release carries a heavy load. On your uh, on your fingers. Aside from that, I really got no complaints. I really enjoy shooting a thumb button, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you guys some like more downsides of it, but mm, it's good stuff. Finally, guys, I know you've all been waiting for one of these. It's the bullshit product of the week. <laughs> This week's bullshit product of, of the week. You may have heard me talk about this at one time or another. If not, you've definitely heard me make fun of it. It is the Schaefer Performance Archery XV. <laughs> this is my buddy Rudy Sandoval's favorite 
favorite arrow rest of all time. The XV is this cage that you know it's it's an arrow rest. It kind of looks like a Trinity actually, but instead of a blade or a drop away or a locator, you have two triangles, two triangular arms with little like fingers at the top. As you draw your bow back, these triangles close, and your arrow that's sitting in the bottom of the triangle gets scissored up to these fingers and held in place while you're at full draw. And then when you shoot, they pull apart. They, they split apart real quick, and then your, your arrow takes off. I have heard nothing but terrible, terrible reviews <laughs> regarding this arrow rest. I personally only know like two people that shoot them. <laughs> and they are absolutely goofy, goofy arrow rests. Um, can you shoot 27 diameter arrows with these? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't have a lot of... <laughs> I'm just... This is not like the other shit where I'm like, oh, this thing's a waste of money. If this arrow rest is actually indeed good... Uh, <laughs> That I'm making a grave mistake. But it just looks like terrible technology. And it looks like a terrible, terrible idea. I've heard horror stories about these. Um, we joke around about this arrow wrist. And we call it the... I think... What do we call it? I used to call it the scissor rest. Rudy calls it the scissor me timbers uh, rest. It's like an old South Park joke. And... Uh, yeah. Um... I cannot imagine this rest being like good for. Well, I don't know. Hold on. Apparently, it's called the opposition arrow rest. Um, you know, I just maybe it's not a bullshit product of the week. I don't know. I've never seen any like you know. I know it's cable driven, right? So that's kind of a drawback. I think we're at the point now where most people realize that a limb-driven limb, limb uh, arrow rest is superior, possibly superior. Cable-driven might still be a way to go if you're a QAD guy. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a cable-driven scissor system, so it's pretty strange. Uh, I guess this is kind of a weak one, other than it looks goofy. Um I'm sure we'll see real wild shooting one of these in Vegas, and then I'm going to have to eat my words. Or even better, <laughs> if the Schaefer company creates an executive version, it's all chromed out, Chris Perkins is using it, <laughs> I'll be the first to buy it, I promise. So, <laughs> anyways, guys, I'm just making fun of a product, as I always do. Um, thank you guys for listening. Just a couple things going on this week. Um cool stuff happening you know we got some good indoor shooters coming up in the cal you know that cal league um wilderness has an indoor shoot in sacramento coming up next week uh i started practicing today I took three days off to sleep or sleep in i should say because you know i still work so i slept in instead of practicing today i got my practice game on tomorrow i will get my practice day on practice game on um my practice routine right now has been volume. Uh, I'm trying to be real diligent shooting good arrows and not 
letting the fact that I'm shooting high volume diminish the value of any arrow. So I'm finding that volume shooting volume has always been a good thing for me. It helps me um, get used to aiming and executing. It's kind of like blank bailing, but it just takes longer and it's not blank bailing at all. Um, it's the program I've been running. You know, I, I've personally noticed that I've gotten a little, you know, I've been able to refine my game just a little bit more when I got 10 arrows built and I started shooting two five spots. So to anyone out there that wants, you know, wants to try that, it's the Huberman lab thing that I've been talking about. It's repetition. That's all I've been employing. I haven't been blank bailing. Now keep in mind, I haven't been shooting the scores that those that, you know, talk about blank bailing shoot. I've been shooting much less, <laughs> low, low, much lower X count 300s, but I've been able to hang in there. So, uh, good luck practicing this week, everyone. I, I hope you guys all get to sharpen your skills up shooting at some friends for some money this weekend. Make it interesting. Wilderness is going to be next week. And then after that, it'll be Vegas. So get your practice in. All right. Thank you guys as always. I uh, just, oh, before I leave, I got t-shirts. I got XLs, double XLs, uh, because, you know, we're archers. We're, in, we're a little bit beyond larges now, aren't we? I have some larges coming in on Friday. Uh, if you guys want some shirts, um, they're $25. It's, you know, it costs me like 20 bucks to make these shirts. So if I ship it to you, you know, I'm not making any money. You guys are literally paying to just wear my flag. Basically you help me promote the show. Uh, if you guys want one, I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for everyone that has bought a shirt already. Uh, I can't tell you, tell you guys, thank you enough. Like I really appreciate it. I value you guys, you guys, uh, and all the props you guys send me. It, it's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate it. You guys have more value than Nancy Pelosi stock picks. Boo, 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 boo. And that's the show. See you guys.